Our reading this morning is 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God, that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. In this particular section of chapter 5, John is focusing his attention on the idea of testimony. Now, when we think of this term... We often think of testimony in a law court or the testimony of one who has come to faith in Christ. But John's understanding of testimony is rooted in the reason that he wrote this epistle. So go back very quickly to chapter 1. Because John gives us the reason why he wrote at the very beginning of this gospel. I've read it many weeks, but I'm going to read it again. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Everyone who is in Christ today, in this room, is saved because of the testimony about Jesus. That was either passed down to you from a friend, a family member a Sunday school teacher, or perhaps from the very Word of God itself. Thus, what we believe about Jesus needs to be accurate because it is only through the testimony about Jesus that one can come to faith in Christ. So one of the primary reasons that John is writing this letter is because false teachers, as we know, were distorting The true testimony about Jesus, what his life meant, what his death meant, what his resurrection meant. So as we work through these verses today, we are going to learn, number one, the three elements of the testimony. Number two, the importance of the testimony. And number three, the response to that testimony. So the three elements of the testimony the importance of that testimony, and then the response to 
that testimony. Number one, the three elements of the testimony. John makes an important distinction in this passage about how Jesus came. He tells us he came by water and by blood. And there's a lot of discussion about what John means when he says, by the water. Why does Jesus coming by water and by blood mean so much to John? And what does John mean when he says the water, particularly in this passage? Jesus' own baptism was a baptism of repentance, which was offered to Israel and received only by some within Israel. And Jesus is identifying himself in his baptism by the water with the very people that he came to save. So water is not only his baptism in this passage, but it's also his ministry of baptizing others. But Don doesn't just stop with the water. He says very clearly, Jesus came by the water and the blood. Which is a reference, of course, to his atoning death on the cross for the sins of his people. The blood of Christ is not a secondary teaching of the New Testament. Or for that matter, the whole Bible. The blood of Christ is essential to understanding Christianity. Let me read some passages to illustrate my point. Matthew 26, 28. Trey just read it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Acts 20, 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Romans 3, 25. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. Romans 5, 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. Colossians 1, 20. Making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Hebrews 9, 12. He entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Hebrews 13, 12. And so Jesus suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his blood. Are you tracking the importance of the death of Jesus, particularly why John would want to say here that Jesus came by the water and by the blood. While we might be prone to lessen the importance of the blood because blood is not something we regularly like to think about, we should not do so. The blood of Christ is essential to our understanding of his death, and his death is essential to the very message of the gospel. So John shows us just how important the blood is when he re-emphasizes, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. We cannot be ashamed of the blood shed for sinners on the cross. 
Alistair Begg, the great Scottish preacher, says this. Without the cross of Jesus Christ, there is no gospel. There simply is no good news without the cross. Indeed, any attempt to preach the gospel minus the cross is to offer a placebo rather than the very medicine that they require. We live in an age full of spiritual placebos. People are offered all sorts of false assurances that they are okay with God. And these spiritual placebos work in a lot of instances by deceiving people into thinking that they're good with God. And while it might make them feel good mentally, psychologically, emotionally, these spiritual placebos do not help them spiritually. Instead, that mental or emotional or psychological boost only deceives them more into thinking that they're right with God. The goal of our lives is not emotional, psychological, or physical well-being. It's spiritual well-being. And that only comes through faithfully teaching and proclaiming the gospel of Christ, which includes the shed blood of our Savior. Throughout the history of the church, many of God's most faithful servants experienced intense physical, emotional, and psychological danger and harm. And yet, in spite of that, God richly blessed them with deep intimacy with Christ. Thomas Watson, in All Things for Good, I quote it all the time, says, When God sets our worldly comforts on fire, then we run to Him and make our peace with Him. How can we have confidence that Jesus came, as John tells us, by the water and by the blood? John says the Spirit is the one who testifies to this. And the Spirit is truth. You see, we can talk about the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus all day long to people. But if the Spirit is not working in that person's life to bring them from death to life, they will not respond in faith to the gospel. This is the work of the Spirit in regeneration, as we have been teaching every week almost as we studied this epistle. The Holy Spirit is the one who convinces us that Jesus did in fact come by water and by blood. Many people we know will affirm that Jesus was baptized, that he died, that he was a miracle worker, but not all that affirm this truth have responded in repentance and faith. Why is that? Because the Spirit has not done a work in their heart yet, which is why we faithfully pray as we are faithful to proclaim the gospel in word and deed, we should equally be praying, Holy Spirit, work in the lives of those we know who are not saved, so that they can respond in repentance and faith. The Spirit of God must testify to our hearts. 
that we know about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. John also confirms in verse 8 that the water, the blood, and the Spirit agree with each other. Since the Spirit is true, we will not be deceived to believe that the water and the blood of Jesus is not important. Because the Spirit will always agree with what we know about Jesus coming by water and by blood. The Spirit will never deceive you into believing wrongly about the truth of who Jesus is. He will assure the true believer that Jesus did in fact come by the water and by the blood. And those are the three elements of the testimony concerning Jesus that John communicates. So not only do we learn about the elements, the water, the blood, the Spirit... We also learn about the importance of that testimony. Look at verse 9. John says, If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. John is making another one of those arguments from the lesser to the greater. If we believe the testimony of men, then surely... We should believe the testimony of God, since He is true and faithful all the time. So the application for us is, do you take people at their word and then doubt whether God knows what's best for you? Do you trust your boss, your financial planner, your doctor, but only partially believe what God tells you in His word? Are you prone to Google spiritual answers to the questions that you have rather than open God's Word? Now, I suppose if you Google for the Bible verses, that's okay. But if you simply Google answers to what's going on in your life spiritually without looking in the very book that is designed to help you grow spiritually, that's something we need to fix. So John is cautioning us here to not put our faith in men over God. What makes God's testimony true and right in the context of John's letter is what he says about Jesus. You can trust the testimony of God regarding Jesus because it is the same testimony that has been passed down for over 2,000 years. God has faithfully, through His Spirit, spoken to lost people and converted people from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light based on the testimony about His Son revealed in His inspired Word. I often love to share stories with you guys from long ago about brothers and sisters in Christ who have died and stake their lives on the testimony of Jesus Christ. I came across one the other day, more recent, on September 17th, 2014. Terry Tumba and his wife Elizabeth heard attackers approaching their Nigerian village. Tumba encouraged his wife to take their children and run away But Boko Haram fighters caught them. 
the attackers immediately began threatening Terry. And while holding him at gunpoint, they asked him, Do you want to become a Muslim? His response was, I will not become a Muslim. So they proceeded to loot the small store that Terry and his wife Elizabeth ran. And they asked him again if he was ready to become a Muslim. And he refused. So finally, the Boko Haram dragged him and his family outside the house, threw an explosive into their house, and shot Terry Tumba in front of his wife and children. And in his final moments of life, Terry called out to his Savior, Jesus, it is in your name that I am killed. Brothers and sisters, all around the world, our brothers and sisters in Christ are staking their lives on the testimony about Jesus Christ revealed in this book. And we must do the same. In verse 10, John says that those who believe in Jesus have this testimony, but those who do not believe make God out to be a liar. And the reason they make God out to be a liar is because they deny the truth about who Jesus is. The false teachers were denying, as we know, that Jesus was God in the flesh. Which means that they did not accept the true testimony that had been passed down to them from John and the other apostles. The same would be true of any today who deny that Jesus is the Christ. And the reason they will be eternally separated from God forever in hell is because they are communicating, whether intentionally or unintentionally, that God is a liar. This is when the Word of God becomes the most powerful evangelistic tool that we have. So you have a lost friend, a lost coworker, a lost neighbor, perhaps a skeptic even, who is doubting the testimony concerning Jesus. Challenge them to read the Bible. Give them a copy of the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Mark because the Word of God is living and active. And as they read God's Word, pray that the Spirit would soften their heart to respond in repentance and faith to the Gospel because it is in the Bible that we read about the gospel. Sometimes when we interact with our lost friends, we overthink it. We overanalyze it. We set out to try to answer every single apologetical question that they may have. And while apologetics is very, very important, apologetics saves no one. The gospel is what saves people. So, study apologetics. Uh, conquer every argument you can for the existence of God. 
But understand that at the end of the day, that lost individual that you know will ultimately be saved as they read or are shared the testimony concerning what Jesus did for them in his life, death, and resurrection. So one of the most basic yet most powerful things that we as a congregation, together and individually when we're on our own, that we could pray is that God would give us deep, deep faith to trust that God's word is what changes hearts. And I know we say this with our mouths, but functionally, many times, we don't actually act that way. Instead, we're prone to think that what actually saves people is the preacher or the music or the ministries, or the building, or the choir, or the programs. Brothers and sisters, it is the testimony of Jesus himself revealed to us in the word of God that changes lives. Cling to the importance of this testimony. And number three, John provides for us a response to this testimony. So we've learned that the water and the blood and the Spirit all agree, and we know the importance of the testimony, but notice in verse 11 it says, God gave us eternal life. We don't earn it, we don't achieve it or deserve it. It is given to us through Jesus Salvation has always been and always will be a free gift of God's grace towards us. That's never going to change. I don't care what any teacher or preacher tells you. The Bible is very clear. Salvation is a free gift of God's grace towards sinners. And this gift of eternal life is only through Jesus. Life is only found through the Son. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The exclusive way to salvation is through Jesus alone. And John concludes this passage with a direct black and white statement which he is so prone to use in this epistle. He says, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Every person alive today or throughout the history of time chooses between life and death. And eternal life is not just a reality for Christians. And let me explain what I mean. Christians will experience eternal life with Jesus forever, while non-Christians will experience eternal life apart from Jesus in hell. Some theologians throughout the history of the church have believed what is known as annihilationism, which is the idea that when Jesus returns, non-believers will experience God's judgment and wrath only for a period of time, but then they will cease to exist or they will be annihilated. Therefore, their judgment is not 
eternal. That is not the teaching of God's word. Annihilationism might sound better to us in our flesh, but it is not faithful to what the scriptures teach. The Bible teaches that hell is a place of eternal conscious punishment. It will not come to an end for those that are not in Christ. It will last forever. I don't get to decide personally, nor do you, how long a person gets to experience eternal conscious punishment in hell. That's what God decides. And while we are often uncomfortable discussing the eternal reality of hell for those that are not in Christ, it's an essential aspect of the gospel message. Don't skim over what John is teaching in verse 12. When John says, whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. He does not mean that those that are not in Christ will have good lives, while those in Christ will just have better lives. No. He says those individuals who do not put their faith in Christ, in the Son, will not have life. They will have death. Eternal death apart from Christ. The gospel teaches us that we are lost in our sin and will experience eternal death apart from Christ unless we know, affirm, and place our faith in the death of Jesus Christ who atoned for our sins and that in His resurrection we have been raised to new life with Christ and that He has conquered death in His resurrection. Dane Ortland, he wrote a few books, Gentle and Lowly, a few years ago. He's just written a, a short little book, very short, like 40 pages, called Is Hell Real? And he's trying to retrieve the importance of the doctrine of hell for evangelicals like ourselves. Here's one of the most intriguing statements in the whole book. The real scandal of the universe is not that there is a hell deserved by all, but that there is a heaven offered to all. So, I offer Jesus to anyone in this room today who is destined to an eternal hell. Repent of your sins. Place your faith in Christ. Trust Him, and you can be with Him in heaven. I don't talk about hell to scare anyone into following Jesus. Believe me, that's the last thing Jesus wants. That's the last thing I want. But I talk about hell to be faithful to the teaching of the Bible. And to make sure that when we say Jesus saves us from our sin, that means that he saves us from an eternal death apart from Christ forever. God loves sinners. And he provided a way for us to be reconciled to himself through the blood of his son Jesus, which gives us eternal life with him in heaven forever. 
That is the good news of the gospel. This is the testimony that has been passed down from Jesus to Peter, James, and John, and brothers and sisters throughout the centuries, and that has been passed down to us today, to which I communicate to you in this moment. Trust in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the faithful testimony that we have in your word of your son, Jesus Christ. And what his life, death, and resurrection means for humanity. If there are any here today who need to turn from their sin and place their faith in Christ, would they understand the urgency of eternity and follow you? And for those of us in Christ, may we never forget the urgency of eternity for those that we know. That live around us, family members and friends, co-workers. As we love and invest in lost people. May we believe both with our words and with our actions that it is your word that changes hearts. We ask all of these things. In Christ's name, amen.